0: the the best calls that i get are the guys that are looking for that help to become better you know there's nothing more frustrating than somebody having an issue on a job or you know having a product issue or an application issue or something like that but they don't want to listen or hear anything that i have to say
1: Welcome to this episode of All Things Wood Floor. I'm Steve Diggins, your host, brought to you by Wood Floor Business. Today, our sponsor, Loba, who has sent us Tyler Myot and Cash Pyle. They're technicians from the East Coast and West Coast. We're going to just kick it around, talking floor pro stuff and finishing in the field. No time for any delay. It's been a while since we've done this. Let's be jumping right in. Floor pros around the world, you know I'm going to say it. Let's get to it. All right, Cash pile and Tyler Myatt from Loba, welcome to all things Wood floor. thank you good to be here guys let's uh you pick and choose we'll, we can just fight back and forth. Tell me a little bit about Loba now here in New England, we sell everything, and Loba has recently come to this part of the coast and spread all over the place and um tell me a bit about the company. I don't know anything about the history of the Loba company
2: well, uh, it started in nineteen twenty two a uh, small little town near Stuttgart, Ditzing. Okay. Uh, a family-owned, operated business for, for many years. Uh, Michael Fisher just retired uh, this this year, um, and now we have Alfred and Mario that are heading it up, running the company now.
1: So, Cash, and, you, you jumped right out of the gate. Tell me a little about you and your background. Where you're located? What's going on? You're you're, you're on the left. You're on the left coast, right? I am left-coasty. Every time your (laughs) phone call comes up, it says, Manteca, Stockton. It it bounces all over the place.
2: Well, I like to keep myself covert. I like to keep everybody on their toes where I'm at. Um, So I'm very close to those areas. I'm very – what I like to say, if you're looking at a map of California, I'm like – if you put a bullseye on it, I'm right there in the middle. Um, I'm about two hours east of San Francisco two hours south of Sacramento and about five, six hours north of LA. And how, go back to
1: before all this, uh, 4Pro, I assume you're in the business. Is that where you came from?
2: Yeah, I grew up in the business. Uh, I was, I pretty much didn't have an option with that. It was in the blood. Uh, I'm fifth generation. My uh, great, great grandfather did it. My great, great grandfather did it. My dad, grandfather did it. My dad did it here
1: I am. Not one of them could talk any sense into you.
2: Well, they tried beating it. me beating with a two-by-four. <laughs> you know how many people
1: get, get... There's two ways to get in this. People like me will say something happened, I wound up helping somebody, next thing I know, I loved it. Or your generation or generation. Funny, the generational guys say, oh, I, I went nowhere near it, next thing you know, I'm helping, next thing you know, I'm running my place, I'm doing my own thing. How'd you start out? Dad, dad put you behind some nailers, or was it sanding? Would they stick you with the edger?
2: Uh, well, I mean, I started out in a diaper as a weight on a buffer. Oh, you're the, yeah,
1: you're the buffer jockey.
2: On <laughs> the buffer. So, so I was the dead weight on the buffer for... Uh... I guess the first years of my life, the formative years. And uh, my dad, I think I, I mean, I got a great dad. He took me, he took me backpacking, camping and to work. He kept me busy. Uh, He was, you know, always there with me. So I was, as a teenager, I was racking out, nailing floors up with him, sanding with him, uh, scraping corners, edging. Uh, I did have an aspiration to get away from it for a while. I went and did that. I got, got into firefighting for a bit. Um, I did get hired with that, and I was doing that full time. And just life just kind of took a left turn with with it, where I just kind of had to do some reevaluation and and uh, went back into the family business.
1: So NASCAR uh, people who, like go around the world to the left, like from being a baby on a buffer. do You always heel right, heel right, heel right. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, <laughs> when you when you got a guy riding your buffer, somebody's digging in for something. You got to know that. So not. Tyler, what's what's your story over there? You're on my coast.
0: I am on I'm on the east coast. I'm based out of our headquarters here, just outside of Charlotte, okay, North Carolina. Um, similar to Cash, but not quite as much history. So I'm second generation floor guy. My father started a company here in Charlotte, late '80s, something like that. Um, but again, grew up in the industry, so started working when I was young with him. You know, helping out whatever I could as a little kid. Um, then started working summers and really learning the industry. A preteen young kid um he kind of treated me a little bit you know he wasn't the boss's kid kind of thing he he taught me the basics and then sent me out with the crews, right so it was it was a true learning experience really you know they weren't giving me any slack by any means um probably worse he did that for did that for a while you know a few summers things like that working and then um when i finished up uh playing some junior college baseball i decided to finish up school and and you know started working with dad full-time while i was finishing up and uh, fell in love with it you know like most dads he didn't want me to have anything to do with the industry you know he saw the volatility of oh eight ten, you know through, through the industry and so he took all the fun jobs all the stuff and one one to keep the company afloat and two to kind of push me away and it kind of bit him in the butt and i ended up loving it you got
1: you got in the crash
0: of like seven eight that oh wow yeah, I, so that was that was kind of when you know so just you know keeping us afloat keeping the company going that kind of stuff was so we're taking everything, right? All the little stuff, all the things just to, to get cash flow. And I ended up loving it. I, I, I got in the same the-
1: time, but way before you guys. But it, it actually wound up being opportune because uh, I could have had a really bad job in a lot of really bad places. But... No, like what could I do? Flooring. I got the independence of doing it. I love working with wood. And like you said, yep. it sounds so ridiculous when people say it, but they mean it. I, I I loved it. To this day, I like walking on a construction site. The smell of the place, the smell of the wood, the, the whole deal. Yeah. It it's something. So do they? With, what do they throw at you, you? Like first, like how old were you?
0: Uh, the the when I first started full time, I was probably 17, 16, 17 okay. or seventeen, probably. And then, you know, full-on, just full-on, full-on at about 18.
1: So it's a little um, different down south because I, sometimes, you tell me, depending on how far south. When I, when I went down to Florida and set up operations, if they were locals, they were either an installer or a finisher. If they yeah. were both, they were from New York or Jersey or <laughs> or Boston. Did you, did your company do everything?
0: So we had a little bit of everything. So when, when he was at his biggest, when he was, you know, the largest that, that he got— um, it was very much separated out into install crews, sanding crews, even into finishing crews. Guys that just just coated floors. Okay. Um, as as we evolved and things like that, guys kind of got into where they could do everything. On my end, as I went in full time and I enter, entered the industry for real, um, it was everything. So he, he, I learned everything from small repairs, touch up repairs, install, sand, finish the whole works through and through. And that, that was really a big part of you know keeping us up going was was knowing everything. So, it, yeah. Cash, you're, you're right in the industry that it seems to be in the South that you know guys are definitely an installer or finish.
1: It's one of the other. Yeah. And Cash, does I talk every now and then with people on your side of the country? And sometimes it seems different, sometimes it doesn't. Does that sound any different for you?
2: Uh, no. Generally, if you're hard like, I mean, that's the that's the hard vernacular to figure out. Is like when you say a hard floor guy. If you if you're a real hardwood floor guy on the west coast, you probably do install and sand and finish. Uh, there's not a lot of just sand and finish guys. Um, there are some bigger companies where they kind of they try to keep their crews separate, but for the most part, a lot of the the guys out here are little one man shows, and they do they do the install and the sand and finish of it.
1: how do you how do you connect with Lobo? Where does this all come from?
2: Um, well, my connection with it started with Instagram, I guess. I was seeing guys using it, and uh, that piqued my interest, and in it. it was through Instagram that I kind of made the first connection, trying to reach out to, hey, I want to try this stuff out. My my dad teases me, because I'm kind of the experimental one with the uh, family. Good for you. He's all about try and true, and I'm like, hey, let's let's try something else. This, there might be an easier way to do this. Um, but yeah, so I saw, saw Lova kind of getting some stuff on instagram and uh you know start tracking it down that way And then then uh, dave davenport the rep at the time over here uh he made a connection with me and then uh, just got talking and then he said you know we're looking for somebody around here in this area and i said what? how, how quick do you
1: leave your company i mean you must have been busy how quick because did you leave that right to the family like you didn't just close up shop and go it's
2: yeah, no, I just passed off everything to dad and
1: okay.
2: It was kind of an easy handoff that way.
1: Yeah, funny you there, say that.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah I, I, no, that Tyler how when did this happen for you with the Loba thing?
0: Uh for me uh for for how I when I started using it or when I transitioned into the company.
1: Yeah, when did they when did you go, you know, I'm going to stop doing whatever I'm doing and I'm going to go work with Loba? <laughs>
0: Uh, that, so that was not on my forefront at all. I was perfectly happy being a contractor for the rest of my life. So we were, I knew Don Jewell pretty well. Uh, he's our head of technical. Um, and he, as the opportunity, as he was building out the department, you know, he started putting feelers out for positions and things like that. And, um, he actually asked my dad, you know, who, who do you know anybody that would be, you know, good for his position? And for, I don't know why, for whatever reason, my father said my name and it was kind of a, you know, it was a, don't, don't mess with me. Don't joke around. I'll take him kind of thing. And it ended up working out. It it was, it was a big decision on my end because, you know, it was, it was, uh, it was as my dad's looking to start retiring, that kind of stuff. It was uh, a difficult one to make, but it was definitely an opportunity that I couldn't miss. So.
1: It's so great though. Cause like dad, don't complain, man. You sent me packing. So exactly. And I don't that, want to hear exactly it's hard he over
0: said. there. Oh yeah. No, he, he, that's exactly what he said. He was more than supportive of all of it. You know, he, uh, it was definitely the one saying you know this is this is a big deal this is a big opportunity and really be foolish to pass it up so
1: is it pretty much you set up your schedule you meet with contractors you show them product or do you go right out to the actual job site is that easier than like in a studio or something you guys fight go, over who wants to talk to me first go
2: i, I go to the job site okay that's yeah. i love it and that's where i want to be like i'm not a as a contractor I wasn't ever huge on, like, the demo days, like, the table stop stuff. Like, everyone, I I didn't need free stuff, and <laughs> I know that you can make stuff look good on a panel yep. in a controlled environment like that. Like, I want to know what, how is it, it going to make me money on the job site. Yep. And and that's kind of the same. The way I look at it with the contractors is, like, let's go to the job site. Let's make some money with the product. What's uh, the difference between
1: gets- your job and you – I mean, you do the same thing on different coasts, or your job's kind of different?
0: My job's very different from cash's. How? How? So, Cash is our is our West Coast or, or sales representative or technical sales rep for, for that area. I work in the technical department. So, where where Cash is on, on site, he's with the contractors. He, he's you know helping them in the field. Um, I do a little bit of that. Um, if if we have a contractor or somebody that's you know having a little bit of trouble or a job site problem, things like that, I can go out and assist or you know evaluate that kind of thing. Um, but as in the technical department, I deal more with our technical trainings that we host at our facility. Um, any kind of product development, that kind of stuff that we need eyes on, you know, testing things like that. I test material, um, you know, see if there's issues or things that we can approve on, things like that. Um, I work more in line with our German colleagues and their technical department as well. To again, you know, product tests and things like that, that that we do.
1: So how much time do you spend uh, cash behind different machines during the day? Is it mostly at the coating portion or do you, do you let the contractor do that and then you jump in and maybe share how to coat or what, or do you have to do a whole project with them?
2: Um, I'll go f- from install to sand the the coating. Um, that's just usually we just coordinate. Like uh, last week I worked with some guys and we went from all the way from the sanding sta- stage to stain to finish. Um, I to me it is about getting on the job site. It's you know being a resource for the you know the contractors. Like I think in essence too, it's so that they know that hey, I know the job. I know what I'm I'm doing. I'm not just a guy trying to push product on them. Right. It's it's like I've got answers and solutions for it, and I've I've been here. I've been in this. Like uh, like I tell some guys, I've been in the trenches with you, and I've I've been. I've been in the trenches where I felt like I was all alone and I tell the contractors like you know we I don't want you to ever feel alone in the trenches. We're all like I've been here, I've been in this pain together. <laughs> let's 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 get down and let, let's create some dust and get get some finish on this. So
1: it, it, it is the trenches and with your the Loba line is completely water based. Right there's nothing else going on there. You don't have an oil or
2: yeah, we don't do any oil modified. We have right. a penetrating oil, but everything else is all water-based product, yeah.
1: How did they plan all this? How did you get this going in this country?
2: Well, I think that started out with the – I mean, that was the, the Germany is where – I that began there where they decided to go international. Okay. And when they made that decision, that wasn't – you know, obviously the Germans are very methodical. They like to think and plan out what they're going to do. Uh, and for the U S side of the market, uh, in Germany, Loba and Backel are two separate companies, uh, but the U S they're combined. And we're, you know, we're the Loba Backel USA. Uh, so we, that was the beginning of that, making that partnership to jump to the States. Uh, and then as far as not playing around, they just, they have a solid product. They were, they're the first two-component waterborne finish for wood floors. You know they're they're the, the leaders in that. They created that. Everybody else kind of followed suit with it. Uh, that's not really well known here in the states because when that took place, that was in Germany. That was that was in the European market. Um, so by the time they got to the U.S. market, I think they've already developed a, a pretty good palette of finishes and things that were going. They're competitive. But not only comp- I mean, they're they're legitimately really solid products. They're I like to use the uh, the car analogy because everybody likes cars, fast cars, four by fours, you know, whatever. Cars are awesome. Tyler's in one right
1: now. He's broadcasting from his car.
2: <laughs> See, the cars are awesome. Uh, you got a high performance car, everybody's gonna love it, and that's that's really what Lova is. It's a high performance finish that. You know, it works. It works really well. It looks like dynamite when it's on a floor.
1: What is this magical thing in today's finishes that these things look like they were sprayed on an hour after it looked like you screwed up? Fairy dust. Yeah, I knew it. (laughs) Right?
0: Oh, I knew they were real. (laughs) No in all honesty it's i think one it's a great product right it gives you time to to work with it but i also think a lot of it has to do with education on how to apply the finishes right Right. so knowing what we're doing now knowing not to overwork a finish as we're applying it knowing to let the water base lay out you know knowing that if we go back and touch it three four five ten times all we're doing is hurting it and that was at first when, when guys are first getting into using water bases, they're used to oil bases. And what can you do with an oil base, man? It's got years to dry. Yep. And you can touch it as many times, you can go back and mess with it. We've learned let it go, let it do its thing. And and for so much of, you know, so many things across the industry, that helps with this. Yeah, you but, see
1: that now? I, I'll do a consultation. And I'll look and I'll you just, I could show you and nine other guys this photo I got the other day, and you'd say, they skipped crits. And, you know, maybe you got away with that with oil, not with no. water, right? You got to have the right sanding sequence, correct? Do you see that? We see it all the time now. People go from 40 to 80, and they go, I don't know what's wrong with your product.
0: I think that's a trend of the colors that we're doing now, too, yeah. right? So, so you know, in the old days when we were doing all two and a quarter red oak, and they're all going natural oils, we could do 40 hundred and just, you know, go about it and not really have a problem. But now we're getting into much more craftsmanship with our forest. We're doing a lot of water popped ebony's and really dark Jacobines and things like that, and your sanding just in general has to be on point. Um, I don't know if it's a fact that the water based finish itself will show more, or if it's just the colors, or or maybe it's just guys are, are paying more attention to it than what we used to pay attention to.
1: So I I used to do a seminar on this. So you wash your car in your driveway, and mm-hmm. it, and you move it, and it's a hot sunny day, and the soap's gone, and the water's gone, but. The last five years' worth of oil is still sitting on your driveway. Mm. Guys that will go out can skip grits. They throw oil down, and it just fills everything. The sealer's the same color as the poly. Poly same, There's nothing going on, but you put a water base down. Now you're ripping that grain wide open. You're cutting it yep. back. You're balding off the surface. You throw the next coat of whatever. If it isn't identical in color, you're going to see everything halo Absolutely. If you're down. refinishing, right? absolutely. You're yeah. taking off an old
0: oil base, Absolutely. What are the um, components
1: that you guys have? I, I, we added a bunch of stuff. I can't even remember what it was, but that you have two or three little components that can go in with your finish. What, what are those? Uh, the additives. Yeah. So additives. we
0: have, yeah, yeah. So, so we're calling them additives. Um, the most popular is going to be our whitener, um, and it's again, it does what it says. It's a whitener. You put it in. It can go in, in into any of the coats or all of the coats. So you're you're versatile in what you're doing, you know, brightness wise. Whether you just want a little bit of light to it, or if you want a solid white floor, or a much brighter white floor, you can get there with that. Um, the other one is Argo, which is an amber. I mean, uh, amberizer. Forgive me, and it's, it it does what it, it says it does. It adds a little bit of color to that finish, gives you more of an let's say exactly oil look, but more of an oil look and more of an amber tone to the finish. Um, can help a lot with you know certain stains and things like that to give a deeper, richer look out of it. Right. Um, we have Argo, which is an added, it's a extender. So for the dry, like you you guys are probably very interested in that, and that you're the drier climates where you need that extra working time. Pellet stoves, wood need, stoves, dry heat. Yep. Yep. Dry heat, drier climates, things like that. You know, Denver's a really popular area where they need it a lot. You guys end up, you know, northeast are going to need it a lot. It, it will double the time that you would otherwise have without it and what do right? they call so it what switch. do they call it it's argo a-r-g-o and, Argo. but what is like the generic term argo is a what is a is an extender, extender. Is, is 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 kind of how i would phrase it i don't know cash do you have a different word for it
1: no you're good because we we had them for years and in england we can't say it anymore we used to call them ritardas. they used <laughs> to say the you know make sure you put a retarder in because it slows everything down and because you need that yep. working time but yeah uh, so and and since um Hollywood here is the handsome one of us. What's your What's your day like? Is it? it it's not as same as Tyler's. So, Cash, what is it? What's your day like? You get up, you get out, you get rolling. What are you doing?
2: Um, I usually get out, hit a few of the distributors, see what's with what, you know what the branches got going on, and go talk to contractors. Get on the job site with contractors. That's usually my goal is just to get on on a job site with a contractor. I want to work side by side with them, see what they what they're going through, what they're what they're doing for the day and
1: you got to get product in their hand, right? It, there's no other way to do this.
2: Yeah, no, yeah, and it's to me uh, the proof's in the pudding so to speak, like always get it in their hands, get it on the floor, you know, let them let let them work with it and see if it fits their wheelhouse. Cuz like you said, everyone's got a different technique or style of how they sand and finish a floor. Um and so they've got to They've got to see if our product hits with the, the style that they do their work. Um, and so that's, that's really what I want to do is like, here, try it out.
1: Are you seeing in the field with your contractors, they're all set up differently? The equipment Absolutely. wise, what what are you seeing out there? What do people have?
2: I mean, it's all over the place. You you have one or two guys, the old school guys that are just a buffer edger and a big machine. Uh That's that's really your old 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 school guy. Um, Then you've got the guys that are they're branching out. They got they've got like the Hydra or the multi-disc. They you know they're going with the planetary or leaning towards that planetary direction, but not quite there yet. Yep. Um, I've got a few guys that they are they're one hundred percent. They've got all they've got the big machine. They got the edgers, but they they just bring out the planetary and that they hit their jobs with that. I think that they're, you know, the, the demographic of horror floors in California does change quite a bit in e- depending on which direction you go. You go two hours towards the, the coast and you got a lot of multi-level, a lot of stairs, a lot of narrow, small rooms. So, so that the planetary fits in perfect there. They can they get it in there and uh, do what they need to do without having to bring a lot of machines in. My area is a lot of farming community, a lot of dairy farmers and ranchers that got big houses, you know, 45, 5,000 square foot houses, big rooms. And it's like you, you'd you be there for months if you had to sit there and go with a planetary. But, you know, you rough it off the big machine and then come in with the planetary, smooth it out, get it flat. Uh, I, I but, just but tried to do
1: one did. like that with a planetary and uh, – it was doing a great job, but not it would have taken a while. But when I went into two cuts and then wrapped up with the planetary, that was a dream. I'm like this. Yeah, that, talk about getting a floor flat.
2: Dials it in like piano surface almost.
1: Yeah, it really it really raises the bar. But then, know, the first time. It, they, I didn't have one. I'd been out of the industry. I went out, I looked at a floor inspection. I go, this is a rotary machine. And he said, how do you know? I have no idea. But I've never seen this scratch pattern. It's like tic-tac-toe, four inches wide. It has to be something big honking through here. And it, it was a rotary machine. And people, they got the learning curve, right? This guy didn't vacuum enough on his drum cuts, and now his rotary machine is picking up 36 grit, and it's, the, it's defeating the whole purpose. So we need guys like you out in the field constantly to look for those little things that people aren't aware are coming down the pike. Um, uh, Even uh, Tyler, when you're out there in the field, you must see a level where, okay, this guy's learning, this guy's a pro, this guy's, there's a big curve in there, right?
0: Very much so. Very much a big curve. I think there will always be that that gap between guys. But yeah, I think right now the industry seems to be, in a transition of of sanding styles where it's you're either on either side, right? You're either going that way to all planetary or still old school on it, just big machining it all the way through. And I think that jump is definitely causing some headaches for some guys and and kind of scaring some away even, but, but for the guys that are really sticking it out, I think they're getting a, a beautiful floor with it. Once they figure it out.
1: When, when I, I do a lot of technical work, and I know there are people all over the country that that I have to go to, because sometimes I'll say I just don't trust my opinion on this, or maybe it's something I've never seen. You, you must have resources within your area, or even whether it's your father or it's a Loba tech department or whatever that you guys can go to if something just doesn't seem quite right for you.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we got a deep network of people. Um, and you know, knowing all the contractors, I utilize our are, are Salesforce as well. You know, local guys and Germany and our technical support over there, technical team over there to, to have a. The, you know, we'll get an answer. If I don't know, we'll we'll definitely get an answer. We'll we'll figure it out.
2: One thing I gotta say with Loba is that every one of our, everybody in the company, uh from Tyler to all the sales reps, they they've all been in the industry. They've rent. They've been behind the machines. Right. So that in itself, you get a you get a, a plethora of knowledge and experiences with the guys that like you can, you can run into something and call any one of them. You'll get some sort of response back or help with like, Hey, yeah, we've seen that. Like I, I got a mic in Colorado. Oh yeah. That's, it's dry cupping or You know, he'll, he'll have an answer for it. Cause he sees it. I, and I joke around for California. We, we don't have adverse swings in, in uh, weather. I don't get a huge, uh, humidity swing or, or a dry, dry season. I mean, uh, Tahoe, Reno area is kind of high desert, but it's still not as extreme as like what the East Coast guys see. Okay. And so I joke around, man, I couldn't stand, I couldn't do floors for a living back in the East Coast. Like, I full trowel, like, I know there's a lot of guys that are like, oh, you can't full trowel because, you know, when, once the, once the uh, winter comes, it's all going to gap out and I'm like, winter comes? Our floor floors cup in the winter, what are you guys talking about,
1: <laughs> boy right? They, Tyler people come in and they go, all right, you gotta get give me two gallons of white oak fill like no, not where we live. Where are you going with that? Yeah, if we want to go down that
0: road we can we can get into humidifiers and keeping moisture in houses, but that's the only way you're stopping it. you know wood is wood, and it'll move and Seasonally, it changes drastically for everybody except for
1: cash. We had a warehouse in Florida, and we could we didn't touch it because it's always like thirteen percent. But in New Hampshire, we go from almost zero in a home up to. It's just ridiculous, and that scale between thirty-five and fifty-five percent humidity—it should go past either in either direction. Filling something is not a good idea. You literally have to time when the floor is going in, and make sure you've timed it properly. Big problem we have is—is is the builder. I got to get this done. Just get in there, just get it done. And the floor person saying this is the wrong time for this floor. Yeah, get, getting that basic knowledge
0: of, of your region, your area, what's best for your for your abilities in, in that area. I think is, is really taken for granted. Um, no one, you know, like I know our Charlotte area extremely well, you know, I've grown up here, I know, I know exactly what the moisture is supposed to be for our general area year round. And I know, you know, I know exactly what it's supposed to be in January, just like in June. But the difference is, is I also know what our sub floors are supposed to be. And I know what our crawl spaces are supposed to be. And I know what the, the, the humidifier is supposed to be set to, or how each humidifier works to then affect the floor and not knowing that or not knowing that, that basic knowledge and being able to control your, your environment, you're going to have a lot of problems and guys that go in and just, you know, that's the hard fought battle, right? Of just listening to your contractor or your builder, like, man, I got to get it done. Okay, well I'll do it, but not getting a good product at the end of the day. It's a, it's a tough battle. And that's one that I think everybody or I know everybody is really dealing with learning how to, how to navigate that.
1: And people today have, they have money and expectations. I think, well, You know, I have money, so this floor should be what I want it to be. Well, it depends. There's a range of how people install, sand finish, the quality, the workmanship. Like you said, the the range is so ridiculously vast. Are there um, certain things that that get contractors in trouble? Are there a few things that you just spot right away? Like, oh, here we go. Is there a way to avoid them, and what are they?
2: (laughs) There's a lot of things. I know, right? No, first, like well, the first one is like Tyler's talking about, like people. Well, even what you're saying, like, you, well, I've got money and I have expectations. Uh, that that itself is that's a that's a slippery slope. Like you can throw as much money you want to at to it, but you have got to give it. The thing with Harvard floors is they take time, and just because you have money, you can't buy time. And that comes down to acclimation of the project. You know you. Know, <sighs> Just, you got it. has to be acclimated. If it ain't acclimated, you're you're gonna be in a world of hurt no matter what.
1: Well, you said to manage the homeowner's expectations, right? That yeah, that, that's a really good point. How how do you normally do that? You're like, I'm getting into this job. Before we even get into it, you're right. Manage their expectations a bit. How do you approach that?
2: Hey, this is a <laughs> it's a living, breathing thing. Like you're you're putting a tree in your house right now. If you want to water it, it's going to start growing. Like, it's that. It's pretty much that simple. Uh, so, with managing, you know, a client expectation, it's you're not. And this goes back to my car analogy. You know, <laughs> a Rolls Royce takes six months to build. It takes a Toyota, like a, I think, six hours. Right. Uh, so, what are you? Are you not getting an LVT floor? You're not getting a plastic floor here. You're getting you're getting a work of art. And that, that comes into like the wood that you bought, the contractor that's working on it, because that in itself, every contractor, like we've already said before, is that every contractor has a different style of how they sand and finish. And that means that they're going to put their signature on that floor. Like, yeah, in general, floors are flat and they, they look shiny. And that That's the general aspect of it. But you can walk in and... I can tell floor my dad's done. I've walked in on jobs and, you know, it's, I don't know. I haven't been on the job, but, like, I know my dad did this. Or, like, I've walked in on jobs and, oh, yeah, your dad did this. And I'm walking in. And I'm like, my dad did not do this job. Like, I know what my dad does.
3: This episode of All Things Wood Floor is brought to you by Lobovacal. Lobovacal focuses on the development and manufacturing of industry-leading products for residential and commercial construction. The LOBA product line includes water-based finishing products, natural oils, stains, repair kits, sandpaper, maintenance cleaners, and industrial coatings. The Vokal product line includes substrate preparation products, sound dampening, moisture control, and adhesives. For more information on the product line, visit wwwloba vokalcom That's L-O-B-A-W-A-K-O-L. Now let's get back to our conversation with Lobovacles, Cash and Tyler.
1: I'm going to write a book called The Floor Tells the Story. That should be the name of this <laughs> podcast. It does, right? Isn't that true?
2: Oh, true. Well, like any contractor has a little signature of just like you can tell Van Gogh from Picasso. Yeah. I only two different artists. <laughs> <laughs> that, that one I could
1: tell, I think.
2: I think so. I think you can tell Impressionism versus uh, Rembrandt uh but that's the thing with hard floor it's the same kind of scenario you you're going to have guys that you know they they leave marks that that's their signature um so that's that's part of the expectation with the client is there's a whole lot that goes into it and, uh, and you know the, the higher their expectation the more they need to realize well you know that takes time sounds like you know it, these guys
1: got to know their limitations right so yeah. that, that, doesn't that give you guys the opportunity to go in and say, all right, listen, do you, do you do that? Do you kind of privately talk with contractors and coach them up a bit? I know no one likes to throw anybody under the bus. I'd like to, you know, get them outside or get them on the phone and say, I need to tell you what I saw here. And mm-hmm. if you don't fix it, someone not as nice as me is going to come in and point it out to everybody. App-
2: get ahead that, of this. Yeah, that, yes. I mean, that happens. Doesn't it? Where it's like, hey, like the way to do this, right, you got to solve this problem now before it gets into, you know, gets messy and gets legal. Like, yeah. you know, you sometimes some guys just don't read the client either. That's that's the hard part. They don't they don't even understand what the expectation is of the client. And yeah. that changes from client to client. That's that's really the hardest part of this job is to figure out each job with that what the homeowner is expecting when they walk away or when you walk away.
1: Sure, right. if yeah. you want to get paid, Tyler. When you when you were doing flooring, right? Before you even started in the morning, did you basically dream about it the night before, or the time you got in the truck, you already knew what you were doing? Most floor yeah, guys I, will say, I, I, never, right?
0: Yeah, explain that. Never stop. Yeah, right. It was you know. It's, I was wrapping up tools that day, thinking about what I was doing the next.
1: You do, you know, do an install I, at seven o'clock in the morning or something. My partner would pull up and we'd be half asleep. I'd go, starting at the front door, not the back. Yep. Don't want to end up at the heaters, right? Got it. Snap a line across the middle. Make sure we don't. But we meet up. Yep, got it. Yeah. It's a. I, I'm telling you, if you guys work together, isn't well, it, old well, isn't it interesting? That, I don't care if it's sanding or install. I bet you get in a room, and you just go, and it's a partnership. You know where to. Don't you guys find that? I I can join a good floor guy, and boom, we're up and running.
0: Yep. And there might be minor differences, but no one, no one having the trust in you and whoever you're working with to do the job, and knowing, you know, if I'm going to do this, if I'm edging, I know that he's scraping corners, or I know that he's, you know, got the machine over here, or he's satelliteing, or you know, whatever he's doing, and that I need to move on to this one. It you become more efficient, one, but you know, you become better, right? You you, you create a better floor when you don't have to sit there and talk to somebody on directions on, hey, I need you to do this, 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 and this. You know, it becomes, you know, you start looking at them instead of what you're paying attention to, what's hurting your work.
1: How many floors have that's... you guys done in your career that you absolutely remember was perfect? Not a one. No. <laughs> right? He's laughing. No, there is no perfect floor. Right? I've never, I never walked away from a job and said, well, they look nice or I did a really great job, but I will go, there's that corner, there's the thing, there's the, I mean, we don't live in a vacuum dream, Right? It's just, it's not like I'm a perfectionist, but it can be better here or there. Yeah. Well, that's what strives us to be better, you
0: know, floor guys, right? Wood guys. Oh yeah. If if you're not trying to be better and you're not listening and that, you know, on my end, the the best calls that I get are the guys that are looking for that help to become better. You know, there's nothing more frustrating than somebody having an issue on a job or, you know, having a product issue or an application issue, something like that. But they don't want to listen or hear anything that I have to say you know it's like look i i'm i'm trying to help you i'm not trying to 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 hurt you i'm not trying to do anything to to belittle you i'm i'm trying to help you be a better contractor have a better job at the end of the day and you know to get paid and move on to the next one
1: yeah i i do a lot of consulting i get in there and i know immediately i'm the enemy and i'm there to start trouble and i try to let them know Listen, this is a fellowship. I just want to get everybody out of trouble, get these floors done, and I want everybody's life to go back to their own life in the next few days. There's no litigation. There should be no lawyers. This is a floor. It, it, we can do this. Between a scale of 1 to 10, it's either a and coat or we're going to rip this thing out, which is very, very, very rare. It, Cash, when you're looking out there and you're working with these contractors— do you think they got a grip on their value or what they should be charging? Some of them have no idea what to charge or how good they are.
2: You know, that's, that's weird, but I want to back up to what you just said about where we're going to rip this floor out or just buff and coat it. Yeah, uh, That happened together. I was with, on a job site with a contractor, and he was just like, you know what I appreciate about you, Cash? You never walk in and act like it's the end of the world. Like, <laughs> right. You got a problem. You got a problem. And you're like, well, we'll just bring out the edger and we'll we'll touch that part up or we'll fix that. Or you're just like, oh, that's a resin And you just you don't even qualm about it. You're just like you're already grabbing the machine and you just you just redo it and you get right back into it. And yeah. you don't act like it's the end of the world. And I said, well, because it isn't like if you're going to you're more time him hawing back and forth of what you're going to do. You just got to make a decision and look at it, like like you said. Well, we have to tear it out, and many, many times with a sand and finish, you don't have to tear floor out. You just gotta, you just gotta, like if you stained it right now and you got some swirls or whatever. You you either learn it to touch those spots up, or if it's the whole thing, you got scratch everywhere. You are like, well, <laughs> guess we got to polish it off a little better. Get it, you know, get a little finer grit. You are saying the floor, and
1: those- people think that that if you have to come back and touch up something, that they've lost all the wood in their floor. Yeah. It's not a machine yeah. shop where they sand it every five hours. You know, it's you could sand the floor a lot of times before you would get through to the cleats and the nails and everything.
2: Yeah, and a lot of times the resand is just you're just you're just barely taking it. Like you already sanded it flat, you already got you got it already at a good pace or a, a place. It's not. It's just not acceptable yet. It's just a little touch up. Well, let me ask you.
1: Let me ask you this: What with um, when when you were sanding floors, when you do it now? All right, On, let's say that you were at your own house and you're going to do a 500 foot big living room with your big machine. How many times each you guys think that you would cut that floor with the big machine? Oh, only with a big machine? Yeah, just that part of it, just the big machine. Before you get to everything else,
2: I do three times. I'm I, touching you know. three
3: papers.
1: Oh, yeah. yeah at least. I've done three, four, five, and I've had people go, you're crazy. I, my guys cut it twice. We are out of here. We don't have time. That's one way to do a floor, but I don't think it's the pro way to make it look good, right?
2: I, I've experimented. I I know that there's a lot of different ideas out there, but I've played around with it, and I always go back to my my uh, coarse, Medium Fine Cut. I, I've tried it, and... It's more efficient to just do that than to go real fast with a coarse grit and then to go real slow with a fine grit to dial it in. Um, and you know.
1: right? How about you, Tyler? Same, similar thing with cutting up a yeah. floor? If, yeah. Yeah, if
0: I'm only using a big machine, I'm not getting anything else involved at least. Right? Yeah. You, you, you've you got to have, you've got to have either that rough grit to, to fine grit. you got it, it jumping, like Cash said, jumping from, really rough to really find, man, it's going to take so long. You have to go walk so slow behind that machine to get those marks out or you don't care about your marks enough and you're going to have application issues or stain issues or finish issues. Just, you know, if you're looking for quality work three times
1: minimum, at least. I've seen people blame, I'll go on a job set and they'll go, look at this this is my machine. Would I pick a name? It's terrible. And And you go, no, you cut with 36 and 80 this tracking did not come from your machine. This is from you. And then they can't lie. They'll be like, well, I do it all the time. So you're admitting that you, okay, great. That's that's another thing.
0: You mentioned tracking. How many guys don't touch their machines ever?
1: None. Now I, I, I have people drop them off at my house and like, you know, it's an Allen wrench, right? Yeah. I've people that seconds. track their belt so far inside it cuts the bearings off. One guy hit tracked his belt and tracked his belt and tracked it until it cut a belt-shaped door and opened up his door because yep. he just kept fighting with it instead of cleaning the upper roller assembly. <laughs> somebody comes in with a bad tracking. I'll go sand a pine floor yesterday. They go, oh yeah, how'd you know? Well, look, you look up in your upper roller, clean it. These guys don't even know. I had a guy on a brand new three thousand dollar vacuum, and he goes, do not work anymore." And I look at it; he had never, ever, ever emptied the filter. Couldn't see the filter; <laughs> it was oh packed, and it started to catch fire. I mean, you guys see some craziness out there, right? Oh yeah, <laughs> I oh. love it. Oh yeah, yeah. No
0: short supply of that. Actually.
1: Like what? Give me some... you have it? I want to hear it. If you got it, I want to hear it. Yeah, I'll you I've seen flo- <laughs> i seen a flight guy put in the floor upside down. Twice.
2: <laughs> I have only seen that once, right. uh, and I was—it was like that was that was the befuddled part. Like what? Like you? So you're gonna try and sand all those tracks off that <laughs> the slots through there?
1: I when they they had not really cut into the hollow back, and so it kind of looked flat, except for it's rounded, right? And and then I took a pencil, and you could it could say, it said like nathma. <laughs> And you're like, this is the dude. This is upside down. How did you? How did you pull this off? I, I am telling you, I had a guy that called. I thought I was an idiot because he goes, um, "Yeah, I, I'm walking on the floor. It's rippling this way. It's rippling that way." And I go, "Wow. I, I, uh, all right." I go, "How did you in, you know, install this wide plank in a basement on a lake?" He goes, uh, "Yeah, you know, dry fit, dry lay." And I go, "Excuse me." He's like, uh, "You know, dry fit, dry lay." I go, "Oh, cool. All right, give me a second. I don't. I won't. I can't look like an idiot. I went out to my car. I called Howard Brickman, and I go, Howard, um, is there such a thing as dry fit, dry lay? He goes, Is it a click lock? I go, No, it's wide plank. It's pre stained, pre finished. He goes, No, there isn't. Go back in yeah. there. I go in. I go, How did you put it in? He started on the wall, knocked it all in, and when he got to the other side of the basement, he. He put Tapcon and screwed the last one in. The whole floor is just sitting there. And oh the, the realtor goes, think what I'm thinking. I go with you, the easiest reinstall ever? Yeah, pick it up, glue it, pick it up, glue it. Pick it up. That's crazy. At least they didn't waste any money on that one. Yeah, yeah, no. I've seen people staple into concrete. These aren't working. I,
2: I've seen guys put their backpacks on upside down. I don't know if you are <laughs> The those vac- old uh, they call they are the blue uh they used a uh just a canvas bag I can't remember the name of the ba- the vacuum yep.
1: they
2: they're popular back in the eighties and nineties mm-hmm. uh,
1: they're wearing them it, upside down
2: it were, wearing it upside down with the bag blown up around over his head Walk, walked into that I was like wow, <laughs> how does that even feel right?
1: I had a guy edging a uh, closet with no bag smoking a cigarette right. Nope. <laughs> I was gonna say I
0: I just driving through a neighborhood one day and thought a house was on fire. A Guy was running a big machine with no bag.
1: Oh, oh
0: man! Listen, all the doors open. It was just billowing. I, I haven't
1: done this in a, in a while because we. It's been crazy. I, I I love you guys. So I I've been saving this. I was gonna put it in the book. but This is my favorite. And it happened a while ago. Um, a good buddy of mine said he hired a kid for the weekend because you know that he can nail. So they racked everything out for him, and they left him everything. And they said, if you want to come in Saturday, they already nailed four feet. They go, just nail away. Everything's cut. Just go to town. So they, he called me, said, you gotta see this, and it was just gapped and wobbled all over the place and everything and it's, i didn't get it the, the guy says to me you're not going to believe this one i go what happened he goes i i asked this kid you know what's going on here and i started kicking the boards and they're just popping out and they look stapled you could see the marks there wasn't a single one in there and we're kicking board after board and he says to the kid w- what did you what did you nail this with or stable it with and he goes the, the gun you gave me in the compressor and he goes well, where's what did you put in, you know, for staples? And he goes, Wh- whatever comes out of the hose. He thought the compressor put staples through the hose that went into the gun. Nothing. Ah, <laughs> like that. Oh, that is so amazing.
2: Yeah, no, there's there's some no accounting for common sense sometimes. Of like, what's that thing? You know, common sense ain't so common. Right. <laughs> nope. No,
1: it is not. How how do um? And we were talking about. It's all over the map everywhere i I know guys that install for a dollar fifty, and most guys are two fifty and if it's prefinished maybe three fifty and four fifty Why is it all
2: is it like that where you guys are It's all over the map yeah, no it's all over the map here too what what okay, is okay. that about i I think that's just people not i think that's undervaluing themselves then you know the thing that I think I've seen. With that, the most right now is with uh, grinding. You know, floor prep. Like uh, guys will grind a floor, and they'll do it for for almost for free. Instead of like self leveling a floor, which because they they think the material costs. Oh, I, I got to pay for all this leveler. It, it costs too much. But I'm like, well, how many days do you spend grinding it? And they're like, oh, just three, three or four days, like three or four eight hour days. And they're like, yeah. I'm like. How much, like, what did you charge for that? Oh, I just threw in, like, a couple hundred bucks. And, and it's like, are you, like, you literally wasted three or four days grinding, grinding away, uh, and you're not willing to to put into that bid or even to contemplate just self-leveling it, which, like, if you learn how to self-level, it's light years easier on the body sure. than than trying to grind a floor where you're sucking up uh, silica concrete dust for you know, three or four days.
0: I think a lot well, of that too is just what contractors are familiar with, right? Floor yeah. guy, wood guys, wood guys as a whole seem to be a little bit more nervous about using a leveler or something like that, but they're comfortable behind a machine. So you give mm-hmm. them a machine, and they're they're okay with grinding it. But you know, I think getting guys comfortable with floor prep is huge because it will save them time, it will save them money, give them a much better product in the end.
2: Do you but get, they're not. But they're giving away their their labor, their time behind that exactly. machine on the dollar they're not realizing that like that was all your time that you're never going to get back that that that's actually what you're there for like those guys are 250 a foot sand and finishing floors that's including their finish that's including their sandpapers that's including their filler if they're filling it uh there's so many there's so much to that that takes that 250 down to where you're making you know where they making a buck a foot after after all the material and product is put down on that floor,
1: and then the customer wants a, a really good finish that's one hundred and forty five dollars a gallon, and then think yeah. about that one either, or you know what we had the, the distributor drove me crazy is come in get a screen, come in tomorrow get a screen, come in return two screens, come in tomorrow are you're 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 a pro like
2: fill it's, the van up. One, one belt out of a box, all the gas to get to the job, yeah. <laughs> yeah um, that fact takes a small loan nowadays right
1: do you like like Tyler do you like kind of how do you get in there and set somebody up on a job so that you know when they're done the product was done right? Nothing worse than trying to teach somebody something and show them how great your product is they they yeah. massively screw it up and they think your product's terrible that that's how do you set things up
0: uh I observe it first, so I try to show up you know if I'm showing up for a finish help um I'll I'll come in, introduce myself, say hi, you know, whatever we're, we're going to do for the morning. Um, but I just kind of look, I observe at what's going on. You know, how's the guy vacuuming for the? Is he vacuuming the floor before the final coat? Are they using a Tampico brush? Are they, you know, where's the finish at? Is it cold outside? Is it in the house? Is it you know, is it in the middle of the summer and it's I'm sitting in the truck? Um, you know, what 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 does their applicator look like? Are we T-barn? Are we rolling? You know, what is that kind of stuff going on? And I'll go from there. I, I don't want to come in and try to roll the roost. Because you know, there's nothing worse than somebody coming in and just, you know, blah, you know, getting at every little thing. But you know, I normally try to have everything that we'll need as well on me. You know, I'll have some rollers, I'll have some roller poles, I will have some buckets, liners, things like that. I'll have, you know, if I think we're going to need extra finish, things like that, I'll bring those with me. And maybe while they're they're prepping or, or vacuuming, I'll take you know, lead guy, whoever the the crew leader is, or the owner, whoever we're dealing with. Like, so, hey, you know, here's our stuff. You know. You guys can, you know, we'll, we can use this today if you like, you know, unless their stuff just looks really good. You know, most guys are always going to love using new stuff or new free equipment, right? So, yeah. so, so then we're going through there and I'll kind of just ask them, you know, hey, wh- how would you normally go about your day? And, you know, what would you normally do to coat this for? Where would you normally start? And we'll just adjust from there, you know, I'll ask them what they normally do if they're, you know, what are they normally used to finish wise? Or what are they normally, you know, procedure wise? Who does what? That kind of thing. And we'll just say, you know, I was like, hey, look, you know, here's what here's what I like to do, you know, because at the end of the day, yes, there's a right and wrong way to do to apply finish. But everybody's got their own little things. Right. And everybody's going to coat their own way. I don't coat the same way that Cash is going to coat that my boss is going to coat that you know, anybody else. But we're all going to have very similar techniques. We're all going to do things very similarly. So I'll, I'll tell them what those things are. You know, I'm gonna say, Hey, look, we're gonna we're not gonna overwork the finish. We're gonna we're gonna do it, you know, we're gonna touch the finish twice. We're gonna put it on, even it out, we're gonna let it be. We're not gonna go in here and work it. And generally I'll do a section with them or you know, at first to show them and then maybe I'll get one of their guys in to help and then you know, I then I'll hand the pole off. I don't want to code all day. I'd rather say, Hey, you know, you know, here's you know, here's the pole, you guys go at it, and as I see little things there here and
2: there, you know, then we can adjust or, or make adjustments to that kind of stuff.
1: Cash, same with you?
2: Yeah, um, if a company wants to learn how to roll, or or you know a, ne- a technique and stuff like that, I'm not there to I'm not there to coat the job for them because I I could easily do that. But it is it's like, hey, you're you're only going to learn this if you get your hands on it, right? Uh, so I'll I'll give them the the on site physical demonstration uh, enough to get it. Like this is you know this is the process, and we're going to repeat this a couple times. Uh, but then here's here's the stick. It's, yep. it's
1: start flying. Yeah, for decades we always had hundreds and hundreds in stock of lambswool. the really yeah. the really good stuff, right? I, I couldn't deal with it. I, I had trouble with it when I got into things. But then water based finishes were starting to come through. Are are the days of the heavy T bar over? Because it seems to me that rolling and rolling and rolling, and even the lambswool guys we barely sell limbsle it's it's sixteenths rollers even seem to be solving the problem when it comes to water base are we just finally into rolling or is t-bar still something that works
2: on the west coast we're not we're not rolling 100% yet okay and we're working on that the I, west I coast bar country
0: i think it's a 50-50 there's more rolling than i definitely thought there was going on i think guys are definitely opening up to it what I'm happy though is that the guys that are T barring are at least getting away from the heavy heavy T bars. Right. They're not using those massive ones anymore. They're using the lighter ones. And and I'm okay with that. Okay. Because with, with the water based finish, really it's all about consumption and getting, you know, the right amount of square foot for whatever the brand of finish you're using is calling for. You know, we got guys that are calling, oh man, I got nine hundred square foot out of that gallon easy finish the other day. I'm like, oh, You better <laughs> go back and coat it a few more times because you don't have anywhere near enough finish on that floor. I, I, but, you know, if, if if you're a T-bar guy and you can get the right amount of coverage with the right, you know, with the finish, yep. I'm okay with that, as t- long as you're getting your consumption.
1: I took a class, a whole seminar on, on trowels, and there's a million configurations, but what they explained was the idea is that so when you use our product for what you're doing, it goes at the right spread rate. And I've noticed over the decades, I, I got this number, it's 450 to 550, it seems like water-based finishes, the good ones, have been elevated to a flow rate between 450 and 550 depending same with oils Mm -hmm. same with everything and it seems like because of that if the guys can do that they're putting the right film down it's like you said when they get i used to have a concrete filled steel pole with a heavy steel head t-bar and we would get Mm 1200 feet uh, and we were proud and if we didn't put a little water in it as we're going out the door because you don't want to open another jug it seems like the industry has finally got us to where everything should go down close to 500 feet. Does that sound about right? Yeah, that sounds about right.
0: I think, you know, I think getting that five, I think guys got 500 feet in their mind, I think. And that's, that's a general rule that they're good with. Um, You know, I was mentioned with the T-bar, the reason that we like rolling and teach rolling so much is because we know that with a saturated roll, you dunk it in that bucket. I'm getting eight to 10 square feet. Yeah. And so every time I dip it, I know, I know how far to go. And that creates a much more even and consistent film layer across your floor. You know, with a T-bar, it it's possible. And guys are absolutely capable of doing it. But what happens is you kind of get that wave across the floor, right, where you add some pressure, float the bar, add some pressure, turn, things like that. And you just get a little bit more incons- inconsistent of a film layer and get that inconsistent, you know, coverage rates. And that's why we like rolling. That's why we teach rolling more so. But, you know.
1: You know, I had a question for you, Cash, because you wrote it somewhere and I think it's brilliant, and people always talk about. Well, I can do twelve hundred feet a day. Guy asked me the other day, "How much can I install by myself?" I got two fifty, three fifty. People come up with these. Doors. How much can I sand? Ah, I can do a whole house. You said, "Uh, slower is faster." What do you mean by slower is faster?
2: <laughs> that applies to so many things in life, right? <laughs> uh. Slower and faster is the philosophy that I have that that I, I learned from the fire department, where the, you know they call it fire ground pace, where you need to be going fast, but you're not running, but uh, you're efficient and you're you're methodical in all your motions, uh, and that's the, with the sand and finish, where the, or installing, uh, you make every every movement count um but you're you're doing it precisely you're not you're not uh you're not working at breakneck speed just because you can't you're not when you're when you're doing that you're cutting corners and you're missing things i mean that's how you get lightning bolts or stair steppers or h joints t joints my dad calls them t joints i grew up calling them t joints t joints comes off the tongue better or a joint on a joint that those all happen because you're you're just trying to go fast and when you're going fast you're going sloppy. Yep. And and when you're going when you're doing that this is what my uncle used to always say um if you don't have if you didn't have time to do it right the first time how in the world do you think you got time to fix it? You don't. To make, You don't. And um, you lose and so,
1: confidence in your client and then and by the way I, then they start piling on. Well, I didn't like yeah, the closet. And that, by the way, oh boy, here we go. And right
0: then it looks like yeah. a confetti gun went off in the house,
1: right?
2: <laughs> <laughs> so that, that's the slower is faster is is, and it also goes into that, what's that Abraham Lincoln analogy that uh, you give me six hours to chop a tree down, I will take four hours to sharpen my axe, right? Two hours to actually chop the tree. Uh, that's that that falls into that whole thing of machine maintenance, you know, <laughs> taking your roller out and cleaning it. Making sure the tracking's right, uh, it's clocking your edger, clocking your buffer, all those things. Uh, taking the time to get those things right make everything faster.
1: You know what? You knuckle in, right? Somehow you said it. you slow down. You cannot afford to screw up. You're now you're going to start over. I think you're exactly right. Well,
0: yeah. there, there are a lot of times that you know, Dad and I would be on a job, and if we're doing some intricate install, we're doing a bone wrapped around something or another. We're you know we're getting at the critical point, and like I said, we've been working all day, and you're getting tired, and you start making bad cuts, or you start doing this, or man, that board just won't get in, and your frustration level gets high. Man, there were so many times that we fought through it, and yeah, we got it done that night, but there might have been something we had to come fix the next morning or finish up, and that finish up took a quarter of the time. We really got to where it was, hey man, once we start getting like that, look, we're done, right? Because yeah, what we found what we found was we're spending more time tired and angry and, and snapping at each other because we don't want to be here anymore. Than if we just go home, rest, let our brain reset in the next morning, it might take us half an hour, but it was going to take us an hour and a half that night. Gotcha. So Being being caught up and knowing what your limit is, I think it's a big deal.
2: Well, I think that's the, that fine line of, Oh, that slower is faster is, knowing that hey we're, we're spent right now and this is that final coat or or that whatever phase where it's got to be nailed and when you're burnt out you got to know you know what there is tomorrow uh but there is that there is that that point where at the end of the day we're like man if i coat this right now it'll take me half hour to coat this uh versus a half a day of setting up there there is that there's there that balance you gotta, okay am i am i messed up so, am i burnt out and so tired and spent that I can't get this right, that I'm going to be fixing this tomorrow or, or, or can I get this, you know, take this half hour, and knock it out that I think that's a question that every contractor's always got to ask themselves and, and know to toe that line. And I think Taylor's right on that. There is a time where, you know, and, and I, I've been on jobs where it's like one, two in the morning where like, I just want to get this installed. So it's done. Uh, and, you know, got it, got it installed there wasn't any mistakes to go fix, but I wasn't ready to stand it the next day. Like, yeah, I was now, now I wasn't, you know, that was that fast part where like, Oh, I'll just, I'll knock this out. Uh, but then coming back to it is like, well, I'm burnt out. I can't, I'm not even, I got brain fog going on. I'm just not in the game right now. to sand this floor.
1: You're, yeah. You got to have your head in game, right? Tyler. That's just how it goes.
0: Yeah. It's yeah. knowing your limits, right? Some guys might be able to do that, but everybody has a burnout point. And everybody's got a point to where, hey, you know, if I just stop this install now and I come back in the morning, when I finish the install, I can start sanding. Whereas, you know, like, like Cash said, you know, he was done for the next day. So everybody's got their limits and knowing those limits and knowing when it's worth it, because there are times where, you know, yeah, this is our only option. You know, our donkey's in the ditch. We have to get this done. You know, we, we, you know, knowing when that's when that time is appropriate is a big deal, too, as well. You Knowing, knowing your limits and knowing timing.
1: Really could help a lot. I can't focus now. Your donkey's in the ditch. Give me that one. That's, we don't have. What? <laughs> the you hear that? Cash, you hear that? Your donkey's. I always say, don't be the donkey. What's the donkey in the ditch? Your donkey.
0: It's a biblical reference, and yeah, I don't remember exactly what the story Makes was. Makes sense. It, so, like,
1: try so, getting one out. I would imagine it's difficult. It was yeah.
0: uh, a farmer had his donkey in the ditch on a Sunday, and nobody was helping, but Jesus helped him get the donkey out of the ditch because he weren't supposed to work on the Sabbath. But, you know, it was uh, when your donkey's in the ditch. And who was
1: a carpenter? See how we brought that all back around? Listen, I'm going to let you guys escape my clutches, but I'm going to give you a couple. We do a lot of quick fire questions. And because there's two of you, I'll just give you a few of them. The idea is I ask you, you answer me as quick as you possibly can, and then you can escape. know, we're going to start with Tyler. Are you ready? Yep. What would you be doing if you didn't get into hardwood flooring at all?
0: Oh, that's a great question. See, I'm uh, good.
1: I'm on fire today.
0: It would probably be construction based of some sort. I love working with my hands, so probably somewhere in the field, whether it was actually building or something like that. If it wasn't actual hardwoods, it would be something hands-on, something where I'm working with my hands and
1: okay. building. And, and Cash, what would you be doing if you weren't doing hardwood floor? <laughs>
2: uh, it would be something artistic. Okay. I'd be building. I, it would be. I have to do something with my hands too, but it would be something that—that's uh, the part I like about Harvard floors. It's the artistic part of it. So,
1: Cash, what drives you crazy? You got a pet peeve in flooring? What you just drives right over the top?
2: Pet peeves. Oh, that's a long list. What's my biggest pet peeve? Probably not tack clothing a floor.
1: Dirty oh. floor. <laughs> Tyler, back to you. Biggest pet peeve in flooring. An unorganized van or truck. Some people don't like that. Um, all right, we'll stick with Tyler. Um, th- okay, how about uh, they put out the Lifetime movie for floor experts? Uh, who plays you in the movie? Oh,
0: no idea. Oh, uh, probably
1: gosh, I don't know Tom Hardy when he's really big. Yeah, it, it's hard when you're that handsome to come up with an answer like know. that. Books, right? Cash is all set up. Cash, who plays you in a Lifetime movie?
2: Come on. David
1: Duchovny. Oh, th- I see that. You, you, Tyler, you see that? Yeah, I can see a little bit. A little quantum leaping going on? I'm seeing it. All right, <laughs> Tyler, in your home, where you live, apparently it's in your automobile, is there carpet? Not a single stitch. God bless you. Cash, you guys, I see your dog looking over your shoulder. Is there carpet in that house?
2: I got no carpet, and this is my kid's room. Saroosh.
1: Good for I've you. Got, guys. i got wood in my bathrooms. Are you kidding me? See that? Now that's a real man right there. Wood in the bathroom. God bless you, I both. I haven't
2: got to my bathrooms yet.
1: No. <laughs> Everybody's show me videos. Yeah, there's oh whoa, he's got flooring all over the place. Look at
2: that. Is that it all should. chevron? Woo. Yeah, my favorite. This is where all the magic happens, guys, if you're wondering. Spiffy. Wow. It's all dark. Look
1: at that. Hey, listen, you guys are the floor pros, floor pro. I really, really, really appreciate you spending this time with me.
2: Is it the all the wood in my house, all my flooring, was hand milled by me. Was it? On, on top of that, yeah.
1: Overachiever. We need to talk about well, him, man. He's lost it.
2: All right. <laughs> That's taken it that. to a whole other level.
1: All right, boys, (laughs) I'm going to let you escape. We will talk soon, and I really appreciate you guys. We will talk. Thanks for having us, man. Anytime. Thanks, guys. Take care. Thank you. You got it.
3: This episode of All Things Wood Floor is brought to you by Lobovacal, which offers industry-leading products for wood flooring pros, from water-based finishes to subfloor products and adhesives. Thanks for listening to this episode of All Things Wood Floor. If you liked this episode, please remember to rate and review All Things Wood Floor, and don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode.